And welcome back, Fourth and Long Fence. It's your footy correspondent, Coach Donnie Hess, here back with another off-season supporter series chat. And ladies and gentlemen, I told you I wanted to find some state league teams to chat about. So today we're going to have some fun and talk to a state league fan. We'll find out his club here in just a bit, but let's introduce him, Mr. Dave Brown. Dave, thank you for joining me today, sir. Oh, thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for hopping on the show. Before we get into the footy, which we, I know everybody wants to talk to when it comes to this show, I like to find out just the tiniest bit of information about the person I'm talking to outside of the game of footy. So just a quick bio about yourself outside of the game of football. Sure. So I live in Adelaide, in the northeastern suburbs of Adelaide. Um, I'm a career public servant. Um, so I've been in the in the public service for 25 years, both in Canberra and in Adelaide. Um, and a very proud father of two children who are rapidly heading into their teenage years. So um, much of my time these days is uh, the taxi driver to various children's sporting events. Um and yet, and we'll no doubt uh, get into the, the football talk soon, but uh, football does occupy a fair amount of my time uh, with cricket in the summer. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's, let's dive right into it. What is your favorite thing about the sport of football? Oh, that's a good question. So my favorite thing about the sport of Australian rules football is it is probably the most complete um, sport that I can think of in, in terms of uh occurring on a massive field, uh, 360 play, there's no offside, um, and it requires people to be fast, athletic, be able to jump and strong. So it, um, it really does incorporate kind of all of the different sorts of um, skills and attributes you would want a, a well-rounded athlete to have and it also incorporates people of different sizes as well so um, compared to a lot of other sports uh, that's what really appeals to me uh, and just the, the fact that you get it you get a really good contest um, I, I love contested footy um, and I can happily sit down and watch a, a footy game down at the local oval or an Adelaide Oval at the top level and be equally as happy watching a contest. Fantastic. Fantastic. This is one of my favorite questions, especially considering you've, you've grown up in SA, you've grown up in a football state. What is your earliest footballing memory? Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't actually grow up in a football state uh, as a, as a little aside, I um, was born in Canberra and uh, mm -hmm. lived there until I was nine. So for, um, uh, those of your uh, viewers who may not know uh, Australian geography that well, um, Canberra is, is Australia's capital and it's in the Australian Capital Territory. Um, and because its main um, business, I suppose, is government administration, people get drawn in from all over the country to work in Canberra. And that was certainly the, the case for my family, that my dad moved from um, Port Augusta in regional South Australia to Adelaide uh, to Canberra in the 70s um, to become a, a federal public servant um, and uh, that's why I was born there. So to the question, earliest football memory, um, we had a little black and white TV that we used to um, keep in the garage and that's the TV that my dad would watch uh, then VFL games is what we would get streamed into um, Canberra each weekend uh, and uh, we would get one SANFL game per year. And that was the grand final. So you get the VFL games during the season. The VFL would finish in the last weekend of September. SANFL grand final was then on the October long weekend, the following weekend. So I'd get to watch one SANFL game a year. And so my earliest memory of an SANFL game is the 1982 grand final, um, which, so I was about five then. Um, and Norwood, my team, beat Glenelg pretty comfortably in that grand final. And that's really my earliest memory of kind of watching a game. Awesome, awesome transition. You just said it. Your club that we're going to be talking about for a lot of this episode is the Mighty Red Legs of Norwood. So I got to ask, is is the reason you support them is because of that grand final or is, or was there a family connection at all? There, there's a family connection, yeah, yeah. So my my dad was a red leg supporter. Um, not being from Port Augusta, that's not necessarily traditional red legs territory. But um, when he was 
a, a young man growing up in, in, in Port Augusta, his best friend um, got recruited by Norwood uh, to, to, and played um, five or six seasons of football, uh, of, of league football in the 1960s for the Redlegs. Um, and that sort of supporting his mate is then what led to his um, support of Norwood. And that kind of got passed on to, unto us down the line, which um, wasn't necessarily always going to be the, the natural transition. So his dad support, supported West Adelaide mm-hmm. um, because one of the, the legends of, of SA, SANFL football, Foz Williams, um, grew up with my granddad in Quorn and was originally recruited to West Adelaide before he became the Port Adelaide coach and legend that uh, that led to the Williams family dynasty at, at Port Adelaide. So we might have been a West Adelaide family, but ended up Norwood. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So, so you, your dad's mate comes on. Uh, so, so I got to ask this. Did did the Norwood support kind of go through the family or is there anybody that's in the family that supports any other SANFL clubs? Uh, so everyone from my dad down are Norwood people. Yeah. Um, but my grandmother, so his mum, was a Port Adelaide supporter. Um, so particularly during the, the and, and, you know, for those who aren't aware, Port Adelaide and Norwood are the traditional rivals of, of SA footy before uh, Port Adelaide uh, went to join the AFL. Uh, so there was always great family rivalry uh, come uh, SANFL grand final time, particularly in the 80s and the 90s when Port used to win every year. And so my grandmother would just be sitting in her chair smiling happily while Port won another premiership. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Don't you just love those stories? <laughs> so so I'll make you think about this. Is I, Again, I'm trying to learn about this, some of these, these state league clubs that I don't have a lot of information. So could you just give me just a quick little history lesson of what you know of the Norwood Mighty Red Legs? Sure, sure. So Norwood Football Club established in 1878. Um, So, you know, another thing that people may not necessarily know about Aussie rules is that we've got some of the oldest continuous leagues and football clubs in the world. And and the SANFL uh, was originally established in 1877. So that makes it one of the oldest continuous leagues in the world. Um, Norwood, yep, established in 1878. They were established of the remnants of the disbanded Woodville Football Club. Um, And on their establishment, they kind of had to make their decision as to, you know, what what colours are we going to wear and sort of who are we going to model ourselves after? And so the decision was made that Norwood would wear red and blue, so the navy blue and the red, um, in emulation of the Melbourne Football Club. So there's been a lot of... Over the years, a lot of parallels between Nord and, and Melbourne, other than perhaps we've been a bit more successful than them, uh, in that, you know, we share the same colours, very similar um, Guernsey design. Obviously, um, Melbourne has quite a large red yoke on, on their tops, whereas Nord just has a, a very thin red line uh, on, on theirs. Um, and we share the same song as well, the, the grand old flag. Fantastic. Um, so... Yeah, Norwood established in 1878, very successful early on in the competition. I think we won 13 premierships before 1900, noting that it was often a, a four-team competition, so mm-hmm. perhaps not as competitive <laughs> as, as one might find these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and Norwood is, um, I suppose, traditionally probably the establishment club in in um, in in South Australian footy, probably along with Sturt. It's It's... It's in the the leafy inner eastern suburbs, which is kind of the posh part of Adelaide, um, mm. and has always had a bit of a, a, a reputation of um, of having a bit more money than than some of the other clubs and having more influence than than, than some of the other clubs, um, and you know that that's a that's a stereotype. Um, mm. I think Norwood, particularly going back a hundred years ago, was a very diverse. Um, neighborhood and very diverse community and it's really only probably the last 20 to 30 years that it that it's gentrified to the extent that people would see Nord as exclusively a posh area interesting Um, it it almost has that it almost has that melbourne vibe too melbourne gets that a little bit too so that's an interesting little caveat to that as well so yeah 
just and i love the history the, the fact that they've been around for so long and it's like i i know some of the people over here in the states i talk about footy and i'm like yeah i'm like aussie rules football is older than baseball like it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about it that that this sport that most people over here have no idea about is older than baseball like older than our national pastime whether that actually is or not is, is up for debate a little bit. So we'll, we'll, we'll jump to this next one. And, and you kind of, you kind of said it that Port Adelaide was your, were your biggest rival before they kind of jumped to the AFL. Do you have a new biggest rival or do you still kind of have that little bit of the rivalry with Port considering you still do have oh. them in the SCNFL with their reserves column team? We still hate Port with a passion and, and that, that will never change, you know, um, even so yeah, Port, Port still does, um, still does run a team. So it's their AFL reserves team um, in the SANFL. And sort of we were lucky enough in the first year that they were running an AFL reserves team to beat them by four points in the grand final that year. Um, so that, that was, uh, that was a uh, caused great satisfaction amongst us Norwood types. Um, and even the circumstances around Port's entry into the AFL. I don't know if uh, anyone's gone into, into that history for you. Um, has kind of exacerbated that or, you know, enhanced that rivalry between Port Adelaide and Norwood. So kind of the history there was that the VFL, um, which was effectively overspending itself, realised that national expansion was the only way that they were going to survive um, as a competition and essentially, you know, get their hands into the pockets of South Australian and Western Australian football followers. Um, and so they, they came over to South Australia and approached Port and Norwood, uh, and said, you know, we're, we're interested in, in you fielding teams in, in the VFL. Um, and what happened thereafter is contested history in terms of, um, Port Adelaide would argue that Norwood was going to jump in as well, despite an agreement from all SNFL clubs that they weren't going to talk terms with the VFL until... Um, the VFL stopped demanding a, a $4 million license fee to join mm -hmm. the VFL. Um, and Nord people would say we were sticking to the SANFL agreement and Port, Port jumped in to, uh, to join the, the VFL, which then became the AFL. And then when Port did sign the agreement, it's actually Glenelg, um, lodged a legal case to stop Port from doing that. And that's what led to the creation of the Adelaide Crows. Um, so the VFL went, okay, well, if you don't want us to admit port straight away, um, you have to, the SANFL has to put in a composite side, um, which is what the Adelaide Crows ended up being. And then when they did the expansion five years later, that's when Port Adelaide got the second license to, um, to join the AFL. Well, just, so, just enhancing sorry. that, just enhancing that sandful, that sandful VFL rivalry and the, yes, yeah. the South Australian Victorian rivalry. I absolutely love <laughs> it. The, the banter, the banter in, in the, in the discussions points sometimes are absolutely fantastic. And I love hearing these stories because I, I dive into them, but again, they, they get murky sometimes because it's hearsay a little bit on both sides. It's the same thing with, I think. Nowadays, if we go kind of more present day, is the 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 Guernsey issue between Port Adelaide and Collingwood is is always oh, kind of a fun one too. What <laughs> say that again? That makes me laugh. I, I love all of the. <laughs> it's incredible that 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 Collingwood somehow has a control over what other football teams wear. <laughs> oh, just I laugh. I laugh at a little bit, and and I've I've got several friends who are huge Port Port Adelaide fans, and I I joke with them all the time, and I go I go it's got to be interesting to really always be to, to have eddie mcguire kind of always hang over your head because of the whole heritage agreement and then the heritage round disappeared so let's 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 not get into conspiracy theories and all that stuff <laughs> we'll, we'll go away from that we'll pull it we'll rein it back in we'll we'll, we'll jump to this so I, I want I want to ask this, and I love finding this because I'm I'm a memorabilia guy. I like seeing this kind of things. Do you remember the first Norwood item you were ever given or bought? Absolutely, yeah. So um, uh, I do. Well, my parents would have some photos of it, but uh, when we were living in Canberra, um, I was given. I don't know who gave it to me, but I was given a Norwood T-shirt that was a, a white T-shirt with red piping on the sleeves and the collar and had a big Norwood logo on it, and I'd wear it everywhere. I thought, you know, I used to think, um, 
I'd, I'd be the only kid in, in, in Canberra probably who had a Norwood T-shirt. I don't know if that was true or not, but uh, um, I absolutely love that T-shirt and, um, and, and that particular logo that Norwood was using at that time is my favourite favorite logo that the club's ever had. Fantastic. That's all. Aw- that's awesome. And I love, I love hearing that. So we'll, we'll jump to the next one. And I love this one because I've said this to many, many people. Fandom is a very interesting thing for me. And it's one of those, I love hearing people kind of describe how they fan because everybody fans different. I know that there are, there, there are buzzwords. The diehard word sometimes is thrown out and has some negative connotations. I don't think it is because I think when you're a fan, you invest in it, you want to be a part of it. And sometimes it makes you just absolutely live and die per se through the club. So can you describe to me your fandom of Norwood? Uh, yeah. So I, I wouldn't describe myself as diehard in, in a funny sort of way, despite the fact that the walls behind me are covered in Nord memorabilia, because um, <laughs> I am a bit of a memorabilia collector myself. Um, but there are people that go to every game, every men's game, every women's game. They watch the reserves. They might even go and watch some of the junior um, teams as well. And even if I had the opportunity to do so, I, there's enough football in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, um, I'm i a, a home ticket member of Nord, which means I go to all of the home game, all of the men's home games when I can. My son plays junior football at, at the local club, Hope Valley. So at, we quite often have uh, his games on at the same time as the Red Legs, which means we miss them. Um, and we'll go to some women's games, um, and some of the some of the Nord away games as well, depending upon sort of our whether that meets our calendars. So um, if Nord are playing and I'm not there, I'm on the I'm on the app watching the scores. Um, so it it occupies a fair amount of my mental space in the winter time, but I'm always conscious that there are people who give so much of themselves to. Um, to the club, both mentally and physically and in terms of volunteering. And I'm not quite at that level, but, yeah, I absolutely uh, love my red legs and um, love the opportunity it gives me to spend time with my family as well. So when we do go, uh, my dad comes to the games, my brother comes to the games and my kids come. So, you know, we we take three generations of family to the football um, and it's... um, and it, the the more relaxed atmosphere you have at an SANFL game compared to an AFL game just makes it more enjoyable too, that you can kind of spread out on the wing in, in your camping chairs and, and not be surrounded by 50,000 people like you might be at a, at a Crows game. So, yeah, that, I hope that a reasonable description of my fanship. <laughs> like I said, everybody's fan is different. Everybody fans differently, and I respect anybody because you can't tell somebody how to fan because you're, you're telling them how to be themselves. So I think that's one of those. I love hearing it because everybody's different. Like, you, you take my you take myself, like I said, I'm a Sydney Swan supporter. I'm up at 1 a.m. in the morning over here to watch the games. I watch them live. I will not watch them on replay. Because one time, one time I didn't watch them live. I slept in because we had a tournament the next day for my local club here in the States. And a friend of mine spoiled it for me and told me the result the next day. And the worst part was they lost to the Richmond Tigers on it after the siren kick. I have never missed a game live since that time. So I I know exactly (laughs) how you feel when it comes to it. Everybody fans differently. No problem there. So you said you grew up in Canberra until you were nine. So I got to ask this. Can you remember the first Norwood game you ever attended live? I can. So we moved to uh, South Australia in in, in the start of 1986. um, And the first game, and we moved to the southwestern suburbs. So what was traditionally Glenelg Territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the first game I went to was in 1986, and it was Norwood playing Glenelg at Glenelg Oval. So, um, you know, that that's not quite the glory days of the SANFL. The, the glory days were probably the, 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 the 70s and, and early 80s when... Um, like VFL just wasn't a thing in Adelaide. SANFL was it, you know, the, mm-hmm. the sports merchandise you bought at your local Kmart or whatever, that was SANFL merchandise. You couldn't get VFL stuff until into the late 80s. 
Um, but yeah, going going to Glenelg Oval in 1986 when Glenelg were the premiers that that year, the um, and the the fanhood was just like nothing else I'd ever seen before at the game. Um, all people used to do this thing where they'd grab the the big phone books out of out of phone boxes and then chop them up and turn them into confetti. So every time Glenelg would kick a goal, these black and yellow, yellow pages would go flying all over the ground. And um, it was a real eye opener. Um, and uh, I think we ended up losing that game off the, off the, off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience being crammed in on, in, in a, what, what's a comparatively small suburban ground and, and, and getting to see footy live for the first time. Yeah. Fantastic. And the best part is you got to see your beloved red legs. So that's really, really yeah. awesome. So I, I asked this question and I always makes me chuckle a little bit because I heard a, a friend of mine tell me this one time. He goes, this question makes you think about choosing your favorite child. Can you, do you have a favorite player of the past and do you have a favorite player currently on the Norwood list? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I have many favourites, <laughs> um, but uh, probably my favourite all time would have to be Gary McIntosh. Um, so he is the, the the club games record holder. He played almost 400 games of SANFL footy um, from the early 80s uh, until the late 90s. And he... He actually came from the club my son plays for the as a junior, Hope Valley, um, and who also wear red and blue and also sing It's a Grand Old Flag when we win. <laughs> um, and uh, he was just everything you wanted in a footballer. He was tough. He, as, as a young man, he was very athletic. Um, and uh, as, as an older man, he was just physical. Um, he could. He had this beautiful left foot, and he had had, had this really odd uh, thing where, although he's a left foot kicker, he was a right foot hand passer, and he he could flick a hand pass forty meters, no worries. So he was um, one of those South Australians um, that probably came after the pioneering of it. But South Australian football was always known for kind of pioneering the hand passes and attacking style of play rather than just a pick it up, get it off sort of thing. And he was a, a, a massive exponent of that, that he could use a hand pass in the same way that other people would use a kick um, to bring the ball forward. Um, so, yeah, it, it, as, a, as, as a young man, Gary McIntosh was my favourite player, uh, along with probably Michael Aish, who was also the, the other big Nord player of that time. Um, and his his nephew uh, James now um, plays in the AFL with uh, Fremantle, I think. Um, but and the other great thing about Gary McIntosh was he was loyal. So he he was sufficiently late into the eighties that um, AFL or VFL clubs were knocking on his door constantly to get him to come across and play in the VFL because he was that physical tougher style player he would have fit into the 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 greater physicality of the vfl no worries at all um but he stayed loyal to norwood throughout his time um and you know there are great stories of particularly i think north melbourne uh recruiters rocking up to norwood to try to speak to gary and him hiding behind doors and nicking out the back doors into alleyways and things like that to avoid speaking to the recruiters um yeah so he was um he was great growing up. Uh, now, so I, I don't know if, if uh, previous interviewees have, have told you that, but uh, Redlegs won the premiership last year in, in 2022. We were going to get to that point. very soon. I, 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 I was, when I, when I talked with Ali, uh, the, the, the women's captain, she had, she had mentioned that, that, that you guys had won the premiership this year in an incredible fashion over North Adelaide, if I remember correctly. So I, I was, I was going to, I was going to bring that up when we talk about it a little bit, but, but yeah. please go on. But just to go on to my, my favorite player um, currently uh, would have to be right now, Matthew Panos. So um, he uh, was a Nord junior who got recruited to uh, Western Bulldogs as a, as a full forward and never quite made it. He's, he's a, 191 centimetres, something like that. So really not big enough to be a key forward in, in the AFL. Um, and so he, he spent a few years on their list and then came back to, got delisted, came back to Norwood. Um, and we repurposed him as a big bodied midfielder. 
um, and he was uh, he was uh, vital in our 2014 premiership win. I think he got best on ground that day, the Jack Odie medal, um, and uh, for a number of years was one of, if not the best midfielder in the comp. Um, and in the last few years, he's had knee injuries and issues that come with, you know, being being the wrong side of 30. That has meant that he's had to limit his time in the midfield and he's gone back forward. Um, and that time going forward has been very productive because he's a, in the SANFL, he's a class above. In, in, even though he may not have the, the stamina and the pace he used to have, he still has the skills that put him a class above um, a lot of other players. Um, and he kicked the winning goal in the preliminary final and he kicked the winning goal in the grand final and he uh, kicked the winning goal over the Crows reserves in a, in a game during the season. So he's just so clutch and, and it's, it's a real pleasure to watch him play football. Fantastic, fantastic. So I think this next question may actually also be this last answer. Most memorable moment as a Norwood supporter? Oh, at the moment, it would definitely have to be the yeah the the twenty twenty two grand final. Um, we, we're coming from you know a seventeen points down halfway through the last quarter, kick three goals to to win the flag was um, was yeah very memorable. Um, twenty fourteen grand final as well though that 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 was such a great game and um, when you're playing against an AFL reserve side, there, there's always a bit. Um, a bit of tension there, you know, in, in terms of the entire Nord football team has a, has a salary cap of like $250,000, something like that for the whole team, including reserves. So you're spreading a few hundred thousand dollars across 40 odd players, if not more. And you're then coming up against a team who has each of those individual, well, not each of them, but certainly there would be a number of players on the ground who are earning more than the entire salary cap of our team. So um, there's always that tension uh, in, in those sort of games that you've got full-time professionals playing against um, part-time footballers and to beat them in a grand final um, and in such a close and hard-fought grand final and it being Port Adelaide as well, um, that was just memorable. And um, it came down to Port Adelaide as the siren went, Port Adelaide had a kick going into their forward line. As the siren went, we're up by four points. So <laughs> that, um, uh, yeah, it was uh, another 10 seconds and the game could have gone the other way. And, and so it was just such an incredible game of football. And it was the first one at the fully redeveloped Adelaide Oval as well. So 40,000 people um, at an SANFL game at, the SANFL's traditional home that that made it all the more special yeah fantastic fantastic which this 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 makes this next question almost sound like a th like a third follow is my next question is thoughts <laughs> on last thoughts on last season i mean it's it's hard to get much better than a premiership <laughs> but on the on the regular season did did you go into the final did you go into the finals thinking that you had a chance to win a premiership or was this kind of a little bit of out of nowhere uh a little bit of both so um, I've always been a very pessimistic supporter, you know, in terms of I want to be on top of the ladder and 10 games in front before I feel confident that, that we're a chance of winning something. Um, and in the last couple of years, I've been trying to change that, you know, go um, because it, it makes you miserable a lot of the time if, if, you're, if you're pessimistic about about the way your football team's going or what your hopes might be. And it adds stress to your life when it doesn't need to. So this year I was like, no, I'm going to take a, take a different approach this year and, and go in with the perspective that, you know, we finished third at the end of the minor round. If, if we're close enough, then we're a chance. So let's just see how we go. Um, and right up until, you know, three-quarter time and halfway through the last quarter of that grand final, um, for me, I was relatively... Um, okay about whatever happened next. You know, Nord had, um, we weren't the most talented team out there. I think North Adelaide probably is a better balanced side all round than, than Nord or certainly was last season. Um, but what I loved about the season that Nord gave us was you 
you knew each and every week, even if they got done, they were going to give 100%. Um, their their work ethic and their commitment could never be questioned, um, and that that's kind of why uh, as well. I kind of you know, got to the end of that that game and went, well, I'm actually, much as I hate to say it, I, I would have been okay if we'd lost that game um, because I, there was no doubt in my mind that everything that those play those those players had was left out on the ground. Um, and that they couldn't have done a thing more to win that game. And the fact that we then ended up winning the game uh, made, made it all the sweeter, yeah. Fantastic. So, And, and, I, and I go to this next one just because it, it's very fascinating for me to, to kind of look at this. Is that With the state sides, it's a little bit different. I'm used to the AFL where we have the draft and you have all of the supplemental things. Where the state sides, it really is kind of, you kind of look to see who's delisted, who's available, who you can sign, different things like that. So do you keep an eye on Norwood's off-season moves? And have they have they done anything this off-season? Have you lost anybody? Have you gained anybody? Kind of what's been Norwood's off-season like this year? Yeah, yeah. So do keep an eye on on, on the off-season. And, and the thing you get in the SANFL and the other state leagues as well is that it is much more uh, mobile because you've got players who are part-time um, footballers, they are also much more like, you know, they're, they're much more likely to move for work reasons or to decide that they're not going to play state league footy anymore um, because the the commitment that they need to provide isn't well balanced with the money they get for doing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so but it does mean that you tend to, to lose a lot more players than, say, an AFL side might season to season. And as a result, have to recruit more players as well. Um, and you also have the issue that that there are guys playing suburban football in Adelaide who earn a lot more than SANFL footballers. Um, so there's always that attraction for former former SANFL footballers to to go and play suburban footy, get paid more, and get have a much easier life while doing it. Um, so yeah, we have lost we have lost. Um, a, a few players to various different commitments. I was really disappointed that we we lost uh, Jay Rantel, who um, is a former former AFL listed player, and he was great for us last season. But you completely understand that you know, you know that the players move on, and particularly if um, a, a lot of players will hang around in the SANFL on the hope that that's a pathway back to the AFL. Mm-hmm. And when they kind of realise that uh, maybe that pathway is close to me or maybe that's not a priority anymore, um, that's the point at which they might move on as well. Um, conversely, the really encouraging thing from a Nord recruiting perspective is um, because our coach is Tasmanian, we have recruited about half of Tasmania to, to come and play. For the <laughs> so we, we, had a, we had a couple of really good um, recruits last season who came from Tasmania, and I think the Red Legs have recruited uh, three or four more Tasmanians this year. So um, it, it it's probably a bit of a, a bit of an untapped market for for players at that level, um, and and having a coach who um, who probably has knows a bit more about Tasmanian football than um, than the other clubs would. He's he's been. It looks like it's been pretty good at identifying the guys who might do pretty well in the SANFL and, and bringing them across to Nord. So um, the other the other key source of, of players for us as well is um, Nord juniors who go to the AFL and then get delisted. And so I think we've had a we've had a couple of those come come back this year, and for the last few seasons we've had a, a few lads coming back, which you know obviously. Um, you wish them the best and, and, and hope that they could have an AFL career. But, you know, the next best thing is for them to come back to us and and uh, help us win footy games. Yeah, 100% agree. And it's it's kind of the, the weird dichotomy that is as that is the sandful and, and the waffle and some of the, the state leagues is is that you get a little bit of everything. You get the, re, the reserve teams for Adelaide and Port Adelaide where a majority of them are professionals. They're on nice contracts. I mean, they're all trying to make the AFL. And then you've got the state league on a task squad that it's like, I mean, it's a completely different thing. Like they're, they're trying to make it to the AFL or they're just trying to continue playing footy because they enjoy it, want to get paid for it. As you said, it's not exactly a massive payday, but Hey, you still get to play footy on a professional level and you still have a chance to win a premiership. So there's no, there's no argument when if, I mean, if, 
the writing's on the wall that it's not going to happen. You can completely understand something changing. So it's it's a very interesting little difference between the AFL and the Sandful slash BFL slash Waffle when it comes to mm. kind of the off-season moves. So we jump to it. You had a premiership last year. Are your expectations or your thoughts of next year, we have a chance for a second? Or are you, as you said, kind of the pessimistic fan and kind of lower your standards a little bit, knowing it is not easy to go back-to-back winning premierships? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to continue to have that positive perspective that I trialed last year and seemed to work all right, that... I think looking at the list without without really knowing who the new guys are that 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 well, um, we've probably got a list that can get us into into the top three. And if you can make the top three in the sample, um, you're a good chance of winning it. Um, get that double chance. So I think Nord can do it next year. I, I I still look at North Adelaide and go, gee, that's a strong squad which they've added to um, over the over the off season they've, they've got a couple of relatively um high quality former former afl players come back onto their list so um i i would expect that that north adelaide will probably be the 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 standard bearer for the competition next year um and then you really just never know with the uh with the two AFL reserve sides, what sort of quality they're going to put on the park. Obviously, Adelaide was was very competitive in the SANFL last year. Um, but uh, the moment injuries start hitting the AFL side, um, that just compounds the quality available to the to the reserve side and can really vary the, the, the quality of the team they put on the park week to week. So, um, yeah, if... I reckon we can get close enough. And if, if we're close enough, we're, we're always a chance. You get into the finals. You always, you're always in for a sniff. Yeah. You have a chance. 100% agree. So, all right, let's, let's have a little, let's have a little fun. And it is very interesting. Again, I can't wait to find this out. One of my favorite questions is I'm going to install you as the Norwood list manager for a day. Okay. For one day, you can make one move. The entire sandful is open. You can bring in any sandful player to join the red legs to maybe have a chance to win back to back next year. Who's the one player you bring into Norwood and why? Oh, okay. That's a good one. <laughs> um, it, you know, the, the, the one, the one thing we were missing this year um, and I would love for us to find somehow is one really big quality key forward. Um, but you kind of look around the sample and, and, and big men is, is an issue that all of the clubs have. So um, Glenelg didn't basically didn't have a Ruckman um, and they were using Liam McBean, who's a, who's a key forward as a Ruckman and, we thumped them because we've got a quality ruckman, and and they weren't they, they just weren't able to control the the centre clearances in the final we played against them. But that said, I'm grabbing Liam McBean. Thank you very much, and sticking him at full forward for Norwood. <laughs> he he is a quality forward, and he's, he's one of those guys that didn't quite make it in the AFL. He was on Richmond's list, mm-hmm. um, but at the SANFL, he he really is a, a, a cut above, particularly so two hundred centimetre key forward. Don't they don't grow on trees, particularly mm-hmm. not in the SANFL. So yeah, I'm very happily sticking him at full forward. Thanks. <laughs> Dude, there's a there's AFL squads that would like a guy like a guy like that. To be completely honest with you, with some of the clubs, for yeah. sure. So yeah, and it surprises me a little bit that he didn't get a second bite at the AFL, given given his attribute. So yeah, you you do you obviously don't see everything about a player and, and, and why mm-hmm. clubs may not uh, choose him, but his his quality in the SANFL, no doubt. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, so we chatted a little bit before we hopped on Mike because you you had saw that I had the I had the absolute pleasure of talking with the Red Legs women's captain Ali Farrell which Ali was absolutely fantastic and I so appreciate that she came on. So, I am a huge supporter of women's footy. I think women's footy is a growth area for both the AFL and all state leagues and all clubs when it comes to footy and a chance to grow your club because I think women's footy has a chance to explode, especially with youth girls. So, do you watch the the Norwood Redlegs women? And if so, what are your thoughts on last year? A 6-16 six and six team just fell short of the finals, but in all, as Ali said, not a bad season, but there, was, there were still some growing pits. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, I do. 
yeah, I, I go and watch the Red Lakes um, women play. And we started off so well when the SANFL first had a women's competition. Uh, so I suppose that, I imagine Ali gave you a lot of this background, but uh, mm-hmm. the, the background of the SANFL women's competition was it didn't actually start until the AFLW came into existence. Mm-hmm. And the AFLW has turbo-boosted women's footy in South Australia. And that's that's not to diminish the the, the people who for, for many decades before have played, played women's it, footy yeah. in South Australia, but there were really only sort of 10 clubs that, that were fielding about 15 teams in, in a two-division women's competition. It, it had no support from the SANFL, really. And, mm-hmm. and um, so it was, was really a, a bit of a niche activity. Since then, um, since the AFLW came in, the I think the the suburban women's football competition now has something like forty or fifty clubs entering multiple teams. You know, my my club at Hope Valley has a women's team and multiple girls juniors teams now, um, and so the AFLW has a lot um, a lot to take credit for in 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 supporting the growth of women's footy in, in South Australia. Um, and the, the first season of the SANFLW was great because Nord won the flag, <laughs> but but it was also great because we saw um, the developing, we saw a number of developing players who then went on to the AFLW who got that opportunity because they were able to show what they could do um, in the SANFLW. So um, the, we had this great little footballer called Sophie Lee who... Um, who won the best on ground in that first SANFLW grand final and then went on to play with, I think, Carlton. And then she played in the premiership, the second premiership that the Crows won. Uh, Mariana uh, Rajic was also in that Nord team um, and has won a couple of premierships with the Crows now as well. So mm-hmm. um, that was good night. I saw a lot of football that season. They, these days I probably only see one or two games per season of the women's team. Um, so I, I by no means... Um, would profess to have any expertise in 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 in, in the, the team and its structure, um, other than I think the the basics of your engine room and the forward line Nord maybe weren't as strong as a couple of the other teams last year, but showed in patches that they could beat anyone on on their day. Um, but yes, we were we were we were quite happy that the, the competition's leading goal kicker was a Hope Valley girl. And um, we're very, very proud that uh, we've got a couple of Hope Valley girls playing in the Nord, Nord side. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I haven't, haven't really seen what, what off-field movements there might be this season to, to, to see whether um, we've got a big chance of improving this year or not. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see Nord back up top again and, and would love to go and watch them play in the grand final. The... Um, the SANFLW grand final last year was actually played at, at Norwood Oval between Sturt and North Adelaide. It was an absolutely cracking contest. So um, one of the one of the the great joys um, of, of watching women's footy is actually getting to see a lot of footy played at Norwood Oval because it's a perfect size for, for women's footy. It's a bit smaller than, than your sort of massive stadiums. So um, it, it kind of really suits that and our facilities are now great at the club as well so we can provide pretty much AFL level standard facilities um, and yeah we're going to get uh, don't know if you've heard of that uh, the, the the round that they're going to have in the men's AFL this year all the games are going to be played in Adelaide one weekend uh, two of those yep. we're going we're to talk about that here in just a little bit not a problem I absolutely <laughs> love it I'm, I'm fascinated to hear what you say in that so no absolutely <laughs> love it again I had an absolutely fantastic you know, chat with Ali. She was absolutely great. And in fact, I've actually communicated with her. She just sent me the first five rounds of the sample women's is coming up actually here pretty soon. So I, I told her I would keep an eye because I really want to do, I really do want to keep an eye on the sample women's, the waffle women's and the VFL women's just because I know a lot of the girls for this next draft are going to be overagers. So it's going to be fascinating yeah. to see how, how the, how some of these state teams draft this year because there are no 18 year olds for this next women's draft it will be an overage draft completely which i actually kind of like that they're letting the letting some of the younger girls develop a little bit more so then that that talent because 
a lot of these young women, these 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds, they have been playing their entire lives. If yeah. we think the footy is good now, wait for five or six or seven more years when all of these pathways are, are there for the women that were not there 10 years ago. So I'm, I'm the women's footy. Again, I understand there's plenty of detractors. Many of them, I, I dismiss most of it because many of them, they don't watch it. They don't want to watch it. They just see a score and they comment, but they don't actually watch the games. And that's frustrating because I think there is so many good women's footy players that get disrespected because there are women I'll say this. And I've quoted this many times and I don't care. You can, you can, Tell it to anybody. I think the women go harder at the footy sometimes than the men do. <laughs> I legitimately think so. When I watch some of these AFLW games, they go at the footy. They go at it hard. Absolutely love it. So mm. we jump to that. My next question, and I, and I love seeing this, is yes, you're a sample fan. Yes, you're a Norwood fan, but it's hard not to argue. The AFL is this giant thing. Do you have an AFL side? Do you keep an eye on the AFL? And if so, who is it? Yep, absolutely. So um, Adelaide Crows, uh, otherwise known as not Port Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> um, when when the Crows joined the the, the AFL in, in well, the first season was nineteen ninety one. They were a de facto state side. You know, they wore the state colours. Um, state of origin was so big back then because South Australia could actually beat Victoria at times mm -hmm. in, in state of origin back in the eighties and early nineties. Um, and so it was kind of like you got state of origin every week when the Crows came into the competition. So the, the, the swell of, of support um, for, for the Crows was huge. And overnight, you know, most South Australians um, changed over from having whatever, would nominally have a VFL team to support. And in my case, it was Carlton, was the the, the VFL team I supported. Um, to overnight, you're a Crows fan because South Australia's got a team. Mm -hmm. um, that that kind of diminished once Port Adelaide entered the competition because, you know, South, despite the Crows saying we're the team for all South Australians, they're not mm -hmm. anymore. Um, but so I I support the, the Crows men, without watching every game. I absolutely support the Crows women and are a member of the women's team. Um, and what what they built over a number of seasons at, uh, in, in the Crows women's team has just been superb. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if you ask me who's my favourite AFL footballer, with or without an M or a W, it's Chelsea Randall. Um, and very much drawing upon the point you made earlier about how hard people go at the football, I can't think of anyone who goes harder at a football than Chelsea Randall. At, at, and, and the thing, having met her a couple of times, apart from fact she's a wonderful human being, um, is she's tiny. <laughs> you know, for, for someone who, when she, when she plays in defence, is playing on, like, Taylor Harris and beating mm -hmm. her, um, she's... She's a, a, this tiny framed person with, mm -hmm. who's not big in any way, but plays big and plays hard. Um, so a great, great admiration for her um, and have really enjoyed being, being able to go to a couple of um, Adelaide Oval grand finals and, and, and watch the Crows win and, and lose um, grand finals. So, yeah, very much, uh, very much Crows um, in, in, in this household um, and with a particular focus on the women. Fantastic. Absolutely love that and agree. I Chelsea Randall is is one of my favorite players on that Crows list. And it's just because she does everything with guts and with grit, but she's just as skilled as she is tough. Mm. And I love that combination because sometimes I think some of the really good, skillful players sometimes are not always got the grit behind them. So when mm. you've got that grit and that skill, that makes you a scary player. So absolutely, <laughs> absolutely love that. And I truly appreciate that you're that you're full on behind the women because the Crows, they've been a sport, they've been basically a state side since until Port Adelaide came in this year. And SA, the women's footy is ridiculously good at, at times. And I'm I'm fascinated to see when they do get rid of the state, how this how they how the how South Australian girls, how many go? Because I think there's a ton of talent there that eventually when they go full-time professional and they can just focus on footy, 
there's going to be a lot of essay girls that I think are going to find themselves into many clubs because I think they're going to be great additions. So, but hopefully very soon, I, I don't know when I hope very soon, but again, absolutely fantastic. And I truly appreciate that you, that you are a member of the AFL uh, Crows women's that, that is fantastic. I am a very, very proud foundation member of the Swans. And I said, this season, this season may not have been great again, Owen 10, but I'll tell you this, I was at, I watched every game with a passion. You cannot tell. I enjoyed it. And I've, I've sat and actually talked with two of the women's players for this particular podcast. And I have enjoyed their humble and incredible spirit and incredible willingness to sit down and have a chat with me. So I'm forever indebted to them. So we'll, we'll jump to some interesting questions for me because I am very interested as a person that is diehard essay. We had the grand final find its way outside of Victorian soil for two years in 2020 and 2021. Yes, COVID. But I was very fascinated that Victorian media, which has a Victorian bias. I mean, there's no argument there. Some will even honestly tell you that. I was <laughs> fascinated that many of them started making the suggestion of, should we start looking at making the grand final? A lot like the Super Bowl over here in the States, a traveling grand final. So I ask you as an S as an essay person, as a, as a huge Norwood fan, as an Adelaide Crow supporter, what do you think of potentially seeing the grand final become a traveling grand final? Or are you like, no, 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 it's got to be at the MCG. We at least have a little bit of tradition in footy. <laughs> as you might imagine, I have a very strong opinion on this. Is, is the AFL a national league or not? I believe it's a, it is. It's a simpler question than that for me. Um, the only <laughs> reason, the MCG is big and it's also massively overrated. The, the number of seats that are available for your everyday fan at the MCG, uh, once you carve out the 25,000 seats for the MCC members and the 25,000 seats for the AFL members, is not that much more than you would get at Optus Stadium or even at Adelaide Oval with a capacity of 55,000. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the argument that it has to be at the MCG because it's got the biggest capacity is really about the vested interests of MCC and AFL members. Um, and absolutely the money and it's interesting it's those corporates, that, that, those corporates it, yeah. it's, there's 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 nobody that's going to argue with me on that that the, the corporates are one of the reasons why i think but the fascinating part of that i have is many of the people that are very vitriolic about it it must stay it there many of them tend to be victorian and again there's nothing wrong with that i am not making fun of you at all but it is kind of one of those where it's like the most vitriolic answers I get whenever I suggest it, or even the time is, is another yeah. one that I've had. I've had vitriol at me when I said I've suggested in my personal thought process, I think this will eventually be a twilight or prime time grand oh, final cool very, very soon. Yeah. If not next season, I think mm -hmm. Gil loves the two thirty time slot. That's why he got it this year. I think next year with the new, with the new TV deals coming in, I have a feeling it's very, very soon. And some people are going to have their, their undies in a twist, but I think it's, I think once it shows up, it's going to be here to stay. Mm, yeah. And look, the reality is if they have it at night, twice as many people will watch it as when it's on the afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, as, as much as people focus on bums in seats in stadiums, the, 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 the reality is what the AFL and not surprisingly the broadcasters are interested in is the eyes on TV screens and, mm -hmm. and that, that having it at night makes a, makes a huge difference to that. Although um, I think I have seen from various American Australian rules fans that a night grand final actually makes life more difficult for you. Doesn't it? Or am. It, it would, if, if yeah. it went, if it went to, let's see, it's a two 30 now. And for me, at least here in the central time zone, again, our time, our time zones go, from one set from Eastern to Western. And then each set, uh, time zone goes an hour behind the West coast is actually not too bad. The two thirty times is about nine 30 at night. Me here. I'm oh, in the central, good. I'm in the time central time zone. So it's about 1130. That's the two 30 start time. If you moved it to say the twilight, which is say about ish four, four, five o'clock, you're talking 3 a.m. Okay. Right. You're, you're, you're talking two, 3 AM. And then if you go to the seven, which is the prime time ish, you're talking four, 5 AM for me. 
which four or 5 a.m. actually isn't too bad because it just means I go to bed, I wake up, and I just don't go back to sleep because the game's going to end about 6.37. So primetime games on Saturday nights, which is those tend to be not too bad for me because I just, I get up at four 30, I'm up and then I just don't go back to bed because the game ends about 7 a.m. I'm already awake. I'm not going to be able to fall back asleep. So it's not for me personally, it's not that big a deal. I, again, I'm used to waking up, but I agree. Many of the Americans have made that argument. We want it to stay at two 30 Melbourne time because it does, it does make the evening a little bit easier. So I under, again, I understand both arguments. I've told many people, I said, that's my feeling. My preference is two 30 because it's not as difficult because it's 1130 at night, but I just, my gut, my gut tells me that's the time it's going to go to. And the vitriol that I get with, with people, many of them Victorian. And again, I respect you. I understand what you're saying. I understand it. But I'm just telling you, this is a feeling. I don't say that I like it. I'm just telling you how I feel. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the only time I've been called the C-bomb on Twitter was when I suggested that MCC members shouldn't automatically get a right to go to the grand final. And uh, the, you talk about vitriol, that, that, that is the oh, most boy. extreme vitriol I've ever had expressed towards me, just because I've suggested that someone who pays whatever it is, six $700 a year, shouldn't necessarily get to go to 50 AFL games and all of the international cricket, um, or at the very least, it should be considered that that's a vested interest that's being serviced at, at, a, at a very cheap price. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. I 100% understand that argument. So like I said, it's, it's a pie in the sky again, the 50 year contract. I just, it, it's not going to be talked to probably until an, a, not the end of my lifetime, probably won't be till the next, but we'll have to see. So, and then you brought it, you brought it up gather round this year, the, 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 the ripoff of magic round in the NRL, which would be fascinating to see how it is. You're an SA. What are your thoughts on it? And do you plan to attend on games other than the Crows game? Absolutely, is is a short answer. Um, so, slightly longer answer is, I did find the idea somewhat concerning to start with. Um, mm. Hosting a round of NRL games in Brisbane in winter is a very different thing to hosting a round of AFL games in Adelaide in winter. So in Brisbane, it's warmer. Um, NRL isn't as as hard on grass as, as AFL is because you've got players just running in, in two directions, essentially. Lines, yeah. um, and it's a lot easier to grow hardy grass in Brisbane in the winter. Adelaide, if all of the games were going to be played at Adelaide Oval and you had a wet weekend, that oval would be destroyed by Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we saw that very much in, in South Australia Last winter, we had a very wet winter and all of the suburban grounds and particularly Nord Oval were ripped up and destroyed halfway through the season just by boots on grounds. Um, so when they announced Gather Round, I was a bit worried, but then when they kind of made that decision to say, okay, we're going to play a number of games at Adelaide Oval, but we're also playing two games at Nord Oval um, and a game somewhere else. I can't quite remember where the other game is. Murray I think there's one like the Barossa like Valley. There's one way yeah. out there oh, yeah. that they were talking about because I think yeah. I remember talking to my North Melbourne supporter and I think that was where North's playing and not exactly happy about it. And I understand. I mean, it's, oh. I mean, it's like, it's a very small suburb, very small country town ground where it's, whether it's really oh. there for AF, where AFL games should be played on that ground is, is up for debate. So... Yeah, well, at the same time, it might be the first person ever complaining about going to the Barossa Valley, which is one of the world's premium wine regions. <laughs> I don't uh, know. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, in, in terms of going to the game, I probably won't go to the Crows game. My, I'll go to the, the two games at Nord Oval just, just for that experience. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I would hope that... Um, the, the, the weather conditions, and it does sound like we're probably in for a dry and in year next year, might mean that we can kind of present Nord Oval in its ideal state um, for for people to come come and watch games. And um, and I, I support the idea. I think it 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 um, it adds interest. It recognises that that football is not just played in Melbourne, um, and that uh, it. it does give the opportunity for, for Norwood and to to showcase itself as a stadium. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. So I, I, my next couple of questions are fun because I'm doing research. I'm, I told many people I have not been to Australia. It is, it is on my bucket list. It is on my thing as a Swan supporter. I want to get to a game at the SCG and I want to get down to Melbourne and go to the MCG. If I can find a way and scrounge up the money, I'd love to go to Queensland, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. So I'm doing research because when I go to the footy, I want to be ready. So I'm going to ask this first. We Americans, we love food at the footy. So I got to ask, what's your favorite go? What's your go-to food when you go to the footy? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I hate to disappoint you somewhat, but I I wouldn't say that food at the football is a great highlight. You're not the you're not <laughs> so, the first one to tell me. And I told I told I said the same thing. You don't yeah. go to the sport for the food. To be completely honest with you, because it's not it's not healthy. It's it's just it's the the fun junk food that you that you're not going to eat very often at, at, at home so yeah. i it, don't worry about the health thing it is just more of the fun of what would you get what what do you get if you do eat there yeah so and, and it's not just i suppose the, the 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 type of food it's also the particularly at adelaide oval the quality is not great mm-hmm. um and it's expensive so um but when i'm at when i'm at norwood I'm a vegetarian as well, which kind of limits my options somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just tend to stick with um, with the with the hot chips uh, with a bit of chicken salt on top. As, as a good South Australian, we always have to have chicken salt uh, on our chips. Um, but yeah, the highlight for me of of uh, food and drink at at Norwood Oval, which is also known as Cooper's Stadium, is the fact that you uh, get to drink Cooper's beer while. Um, uh, while watching the footy, which is uh, uh, a South Australian brand of beer, um, and is I think now currently the third biggest producer in Australia of, of beer. So it has it has gone up a lot in in the last few decades. But uh, yeah, so the real highlight for me is 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 the good quality beer I get at Nord Oval. Fantastic! I think for the longest time, Coopers used to be one of the uh, one of the sponsors for AFL for USAFL Nationals. Like, oh, yeah. yep. Like the, the main field used to be called Cooper's field, which was our, where the top division would play. So I, I thought it was interesting when you said that, cause I, I thought I had heard that Cooper's was an essay um, uh, based beer. So that's very fantastic. Yeah. So, and the next one, again, you, you get to go to Norwood oval and you get to enjoy your local oval. Where is the most ideal place to sit when you go to the footy? Yeah, so it depends what the weather's like. Um, so the, the best viewing at Nord Oval is in the in the Western Grandstand. So it, it, it in a funny sort of way, it's it's a lot like the modern. Like when you look at Optus Oval over in um, in Perth, it's different to to all of the other stadia because the seats aren't at ground level. The front row of seats aren't at ground level. They're mm-hmm. actually a couple of meters above ground level, um, and that provides your standard person viewing with a much better view of the footy because mm-hmm. you're closer and higher um, and the great thing about the western grandstand at Nord Oval is it's actually built on top of a row of club rooms for the umpires and for visiting opponents and stuff like that so your first row of seats are a couple of meters above the ground looking right over the oval so the, the viewing from there is really really good um, but like I, I mentioned earlier in the um, in 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 the interview um my favorite place is under the scoreboard uh on on the outer wing sitting in a camping chair um it's, it's great just to sit there spread out um and you've got good good access to the canteens and the bars and um it, it's a it's a very relaxed way to watch football and yell at some umpires <laughs> i love it all right. And the question I always, I, I end this because I love hearing this because again, so many of the people that I talk to, they have years of watching footy and they've seen so many. So I asked this, what is your favorite game of footy you have ever seen live on the telly at the ground? Doesn't matter. What is your most favorite game of footy you have ever seen? Mm. Well, we've talked already about a couple of my favorite games of footy, I think, and, and, and then they would definitely uh, be up there. I, th- I think, if, if I kind of expanded out to, to the AFL as well, um, that AFLW grand final with the record crowd at Adelaide Oval mm-hmm. um, was was really special to 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 have fifty three thousand people rock up to watch women's footy was a um, admittedly you know it was free entry um, mm-hmm. but it was still a massive affirmation for 
for women's football to go, people will come and watch. You know, you provide the right circumstances, people will come and watch. And to have the Crows win, to have Erin Phillips do her knee in 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 the third quarter and and or fourth quarter, I can't quite remember. And then sort of the emotion that poured out um, as she was being stretched off the ground and it didn't turn out to be the case, but, you know, we were all standing there going, well, you know, maybe that's the end of mm-hmm. an extremely brief career of at least this far into the competition, the greatest player who's ever played um, women's footy. I, 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 I think the first few seasons that Erin Phillips put together, probably would, she would have reasonable claims to that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, she came back later, came on to Captain Port Adelaide, so that, that's great. That's great. Um, so that that would definitely be up there as, as a favourite game. And to, to stay in the AFL, probably the most fun I had at a football game was um, a Port Adelaide home showdown mm-hmm. uh, between between the, the, the Crows and Port Adelaide. Um, and it, it was the game that, that Eddie Betts just, just lit up. So it was a close game. It, we were up on the hill in, in front of the scoreboard at Adelaide Oval. And the, the, the vibe in the crowd was superb. You know, you hear so much about Port Adelaide and, and Crows fans hating each other and, and all of that, but it was actually a really, a really chilled out atmosphere and it was a, just a superb game of back and forth footy. Um, the fact that the Crows won and Eddie Betts was just so good during the game, it, that, that would be up there for one of my most enjoyable games of footy I've ever been to too. Awesome. Awesome. That is fantastic. And and I have to say this before we get off. One of the things I absolutely love about this year is, is that I, I honestly, I think SA has been the best thing in for women's footy, just because Port Adelaide this year at Alberton Oval was fantastic. Like every game that was there, I swear to God, it was, I swear it was sold out. Like you could not see anything. They sang never tear us apart. They were always supportive, even 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 in some of those games that trust me, it probably was difficult to watch at times. Yeah. But and then the crow and then the crow support has been absolutely fantastic. So I, I gotta give a huge hat tip to you to the SA fans when it comes to AFLW because y'all show up for those games and that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like I absolutely have to tip my cap to that. That is great. I hope it continues because with the history that Port has, with the history that Port has, and now that you have I mean, Aaron Phillips coming back and, and the kind of the story that was that and the Crows abilities and, and the teams that they've had to start this absolutely fantastic. So Dave, that is going to do it for our conversation today. This has been an absolutely magnificent chat. It is so cool to be able to talk Sandful footy and to learn a little bit more about the mighty red Lake. So I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show today. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for our episode today. Again, keep an eye out. More still to come. More AFL, Sandful, Waffle, and VFL chats still on the way. Keep an eye out. They'll be coming to you very, very soon, and we will see you again very, very soon.